That anthem by the choir is um, another translation of our second, gospel, our second reading today. The reading from the lectionary is from Isaiah 40. You can glance at those words that are printed in the bulletin, or you can look and, at the Bible at Isaiah 40, but listen for God's word. Comfort, O comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all the people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry out, and I said, What shall I cry? All people are grass, their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of the good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. So now on this day, we've heard that passage twice, the prophet Isaiah. This is our primary scripture for this Sunday, and it comes from chapter 40. So when we turn to the book of Isaiah and turn to chapter 40, we're well into the prophet Isaiah, chapter 40. Today I want to remind us of some biblical history and perhaps offer some fresh perspectives about how this might speak to our lives today. If you know a little bit about the Bible, the prophet Isaiah remains a large presence in the lives of people who want to live by faith, who want to serve God in the world. The prophet Isaiah is so significant because he has in his purview a great international geopolitical horizon. Isaiah chapters 1 through 39 have to do with the faithfulness of God's people, or maybe I should say the faithlessness of God's people from about 745 to 700 B.C., okay? That's 45 years. And this was a time in ancient history when the Assyrians were rising in power in the Middle East. Some scholars call this section of the book of Isaiah, 1 through 39, the book of judgment. This was a time when Isaiah the prophet was exhorting God's people to live better, live with more sincerity. Live with more worship. Live with more commitment in their lives. Remember, God had created the world and called it good. 
God had loved and sustained God's people from the beginning of time. He called Abraham and Sarah and their descendants to go and be a blessing to the world and serve God with their lives. He had called Moses to lead his people out of Egypt where they had become slaves. And God had established by now a people in what was known as the promised land. God had given them a a king to lead them. And God had even established a temple in their midst where they could worship. So for generations through this biblical history, maybe 1,300 years, God has been nurturing a people with a purpose that they would be a blessing to the world. But by 745 B.C., when Isaiah emerges on the scene, there are fewer and fewer signs of faithfulness and more and more inclination on the part of God's people to do what they wanted rather than what God wanted. Instead of worshiping God, the people were busy tending to their selfish interests. Instead of serving God, the people were hoarding things, taking advantage of the less fortunate. Instead of trusting God and living justly, the people were slothful in their faith and sinful with their actions. So Isaiah speaks God's word to this place and this time and these people, seeking to redirect the people, reorient the people toward faithfulness. And Isaiah kept speaking and kept speaking and kept warning and kept indicating even that the Assyrians, this power from the north, was emerging and it would soon smash them. And that would be God's judgment upon them for their unfaithfulness. They had abandoned God. And if that was not convincing enough, the next power to emerge in that region, the Babylonians, a great power that followed the Assyrians on the world scene in that area, would come and finally conquer God's beloved people, even carry them away into exile after destroying the temple. Again, this is tough news to speak for the prophet Isaiah, yet it was Isaiah speaking God's words, God's judgment on their waning and increasingly faithless lives. In fact, chapter 39 of Isaiah says this, Jerusalem shall be carried to Babylon. Jerusalem shall be taken away, shall be eunuchs in the palace of the kings of Babylon. These are not very hopeful words that the prophet is speaking, this devastation that's coming to God's people, according to the prophet, has its roots in theological deviation. The people had deserted God and God's ways. And God, who had had enough of this, was seemingly giving the people up to these enemies. But then we turn the page to Isaiah chapter 40, which we've read today and heard today sung by our choir. It's a very significant transition that's taking place between 39 and 40. In this chapter that we've heard today, chapter 40, begins really a whole new and fresh section, poetic words and prophetic imagination that seeks to reorient life for God's people. This section of Isaiah beginning at chapter 40 and following has been known as the book of comfort as opposed to the earlier book of judgment. 
Turn the page from 39 to 40, and it's clear it's not about judgment now. It's about compassion. And scholars agree that these words emerge around the year 540 B.C., some 160 years after those previous words that Isaiah has been speaking. Turn the page from 39 to 40. It's not about condemnation anymore. It's about hope. A new day is dawning for God's people. The season has shifted from judgment to comfort. It's not about the faithlessness of the people. It's about the faithfulness of God. God has not deserted his beloved people. It's not about international geopolitical powers emerging and squashing God's people. In fact, it's about God emerging and squashing geopolitical powers and finding a way for God's people to thrive again. So there, while there was a time when God's people felt lost, and while there was a time when Israel's downfall was seemingly inevitable, and while there was a time when there was no one to comfort her, and that's recorded in a number of pages in Isaiah 1 through 39 and Lamentations and other places, there was a time when Israel was groaning and there was no one to comfort Israel. Isaiah 40 is loud and bold, saying, Comfort, oh comfort my people says the Lord. At long last, at long last, after long periods of God being seemingly silent, turn the page to chapter 40, and those words of comfort are breaking through the despair of God's people. And those words of comfort are breaking the powers of Babylon that have held the people in exile. God's people now, it seems, in Isaiah 40, thanks be to God, are headed in a new direction. Thanks be to God. So Isaiah 40 begins another huge section of history with God's faithfulness setting the tone and the precedent for God's people again to live as a blessing to the world. The great Scottish preacher from an earlier generation, James Stewart, was asked what he would do differently if he had to do his ministry again and had another opportunity to live his life again as a minister. And he responded with these words, If I had my ministry to live over again, I should strike the note of comfort far oftener than I have done. He said the most important sermon... The most important message we can share with one another is not a message of condemnation. The most important message is not even one of challenge, not a word of advice about how to live better. It is the message, she says, of comfort. And it is, it is the message of God's abiding comfort and care, God's presence that remains most important for us and for the world. And Isaiah repeats it loudly and boldly in chapter 40. Comfort, comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. God will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. Comfort. 
We all know that life is full of seasons and challenges and heartaches and setbacks and frustrations. But God never, ever gives up on us. The dark nights might seem long. The seasons of God-muted time may seem like years. And they were many years for the people of Israel. But God comes to comfort and to end the long dark period of exile and despair. That's the message of this text. God pours light into the bleakness. God comes to comfort and care and keeps nurturing us in the ways of faith so that we might be a blessing to the world. So Isaiah 40 is an exile ending word. An exile ending word. Isaiah 40 starts a new season of hope and possibility. Every valley shall be lifted up. The uneven ground shall be made plain, become level. The rough places made plain and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. That's what it says. That's what was sung. That's the message. Where do you need to hear that today? Where does our city need to hear that today and our world today? Today's lesson is full of a powerful reminder, the wonderful story of God with God's people. It's an up and down, ever unfolding drama. But God comforts. God comes to comfort. God's faithfulness is for real. And God's promises are for us and for the whole world. Where do you need to hear that today? What section of your life or your heart, where in our culture do we need to have that message pouring in upon our bleakness? I was doing some reading this week and came across some helpful words by Rufus Jones, which speak to me in this this Advent season. Jones reminds us that as an ocean fills an inlet, as a sunlight environs a plant, so God's love comes among us to comfort us. Finite spirits, struggling people, so God's love comes to enwreath us, enfold us, embrace us. But there's a difference, however, says Rufus Jones, with an inlet and with a plant that's penetrated by oceans or sunlight, they are penetrated and surrounded whether they will it or not. Whether they will it or not. Sea and sunshine crowd themselves in in totally encompassing ways. Not so with God, Jones says. God is received, God provides comfort, mostly through appreciation and appropriation. We can miss God's comfort. That's what he's saying. We're invited to open our hearts, we're invited to watch and wait and prepare and to welcome God, and then we'll know perhaps more deeply God's comfort and God's presence A person may live as near to God as the bubble on the ocean. 
and yet not find God's presence. God may be closer than our breathing, more closer than our hands and our feet, and still be missed. The coming of God, the coming of God's comfort happens best as we watch, as we wait, as we prepare, as we anticipate, as we appreciate, and as we appropriate God's care and comfort into our lives. Today, today we turn the page from 39 to 40 in the book of Isaiah. Today we light another Advent candle. Today we seek to gather at this Lord's table and taste and see that God is good. Remember that God is in our midst always. And my hope and my prayer for myself and for all of us is that we'll be increasingly changed. Changed to trust God more. Changed to see God's presence better. Changed to be engaged that we align our lives with God's work in the world and we indeed become a blessing to the world. My hope and prayer for my own life and for all of us is that we are be people who follow Jesus out these doors and into our streets, that we are moved so that Christ can be the drumbeat of our lives, the cadence of our hearts these days. No matter what we're dealing with, no matter what circumstances seem to be dragging us down or beating us up, regardless of how we feel today, the promise is real. Our God comes to comfort. And it's about trusting God regardless of life circumstances. It's about letting go of anger and pettiness and living in gratitude and generosity. It's about turning from our lostness and discovering that comfort so indeed we can be a blessing to the world. May this be our way by God's spirit and grace as we move through these days of Advent as we live forever as God's people. All glory and honor, thanks and praise be to our God. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. Filled with your spirit, O God, shaped by your presence, O God, we commit to faith and following Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.